0: This is Policy, Guns and Money, the ASPE podcast, with me, Olivia Nelson. This week in our Bigger Picture series, Michael Shoebridge speaks to
1: Dr Tanvi Madan, Director of the India Project and Senior Fellow in the Project on International Order and Strategy at the Brookings Institution. They discuss India's foreign policy interests, strategic partnerships including the Quad, and the complexities in India's relationships with China and Russia.
0: Well, Tavi, it's fantastic uh, to talk to you, and uh, I can see you, right? The, the listeners can't, but it's also uh, lovely to, to almost have uh, uh, an in-person conversation. Uh, I wanted to really just cover a lot of what you put in a, a sparkling article you wrote uh, for War on the Rocks on the 27th of October this year, Uh, with uh, the title India is Not Sitting on the Geopolitical Fence. And really my purpose with this podcast recording with you is just to encourage readers to go to to that article uh, and and read that carefully. Uh, It covers an enormous amount of ground, an extremely articulate, insightful way. And if we can give uh, listeners a, a little bit of a taste of some of the ideas and thinking in that article today, that would be fantastic. So, if, if I could just start, you talk in the article about India's journey from non alignment to seeing the value in strategic partnerships. Uh, and that leads to uh, a fairly deep discussion around the Quad and some of the bilateral relationships India has. Could you just briefly tell us that thinking uh, that has shifted uh, India from that long standing non alignment to, to the value of partnership?
1: Uh, thanks, Michael. And thanks for having me on the podcast and for your kind words about um, the article. I think one of the things that I was responding to was hearing from a number of um, folks, especially in Washington, but elsewhere as well, that, you know, there were certain things India would not do. There were choices India would not make because it was non-aligned um, and that, you know, it uh, there was no point trying to offer India X, Y, Z. It was... Um, it was just um, worthwhile to work with other partners. And what I was trying to point out is that both non-alignment itself was misunderstood, uh, but also that there had been a shift in how India was thinking about uh, the strategy underlying non-alignment. And if you look back at what non-alignment was, it underlying it was a strategy of diversification, which is that India, because of its post-colonial uh, history in past, did not want to depend on any one country uh, for its security, um, thought that that would tie its hands. It did not want you know, decisions um, that, uh, for India being made in London or Washington or Moscow. Um, and so what it did is try to, during the Cold War, play one off against the other, have relationships with both the Soviet Union and the US, as well as a number of other you know, what we call now middle powers. Um, to be able to uh, create autonomy for itself um, because it wanted to have as much independence of action uh, as it could, Uh, recognize that it was dependent on countries, uh, but wanted to diversify its dependence so it wasn't over-dependent on anyone. Now, that has actually been fairly consistent as a theme, uh, even beyond the Cold War, this kind of quest for strategic autonomy. And Indian policymakers often think of that as a goal so you know security mm-hmm. prosperity and autonomy and i think what's shifted though is the fact that there is a recognition today um, that india's security needs uh and i'll talk about why that it's security needs mean that it has to prioritize uh, or, or uh, give up a little bit of autonomy in terms of partnerships uh, aligning with certain countries Because security is the priority goal. So, Mm -hmm. even though uh, autonomy is a goal, uh, what you really do need, first and foremost, is security. And that security imperative today uh, is an unprecedented challenge uh, from China. But you've seen it, your listeners would have heard about it in terms of the boundary crisis. But it actually goes much beyond that. The two countries, just India and China, have different visions of what the region should look like. And so, between that and a boundary crisis uh, for India, where it sees China alone and in conjunction with China's partner Pakistan as its major strategic challenge, uh, combine that with a capabilities gap that's grown between China and India. Where you know thirty years ago India was um, five to- or the, around the same size of the uh, Chinese economy. Today, the Chinese economy is five times that of India. Mm. So I think that today, what you see is both a recognition. Uh, of India's threat perception having changed uh, and the fact that because that threat perception has changed, India needs to adjust its approach to the world. And so it's not jettisoning this strategy of diversification. It has adjusted it where it is aligning uh, with the US, with Australia, with Japan, with France, with Britain, like-minded countries who recognize who have a similar vision of the region that they want to see in the Indo-Pacific, and um, there's where there's some convergence on both understanding of the challenge as well as the approach to deal with it. So I think what you've seen is an India that today is making choices because it relies it can't be non-aligned between the US and China. Move. Because in the in one corner you have India's major strategic challenge and in the other corner you have India's prime, or if not primary partner, at least um, an indispensable indispensable partner, as Prime Minister Modi puts it, for its security as well as other goals.
0: Yes, yeah, so that uh, that brings us pretty much straight to the Quad, doesn't it? Because really, without a motivated, engaged India, the Quad would be going nowhere. I know in, in your article, uh, you talk about the Australia-India part of the Quad being formally the weakest link, and you talk about how that connection is is really growing, but to me, India's frame of saying, "Well, I make choices and I make choices that are in my interest," um, that makes the Quad make sense to India because the Quad is one of those minilaterals. You know, it's a it's a small group of nations that have a clear common purpose. Uh, in this case, not having the Indo-Pacific dominated by a power that dictates choices that they don't want, and each of the partners is bringing a sense of urgency and some resources uh, to achieving that purpose, but it's not it's not the only grouping that India is in. Uh, do you think that's a an accurate description of the way India sees the Quad?
1: I think that's right, Michael. And you know, I think one thing uh, that um, is not now the Quad seems like it's been around forever and almost inevitable, and of course, it's doing uh, well, but. Participation in the Quad, as well as its elevation to the leader level, that is an Indian choice, Um, a choice that is not without uh, trade offs. It's not an easy choice. Uh, It has upset both uh, China, of course, but also India's partner, Russia, which has publicly uh, criticized the grouping. And so, this is, you know, having done a cost benefit analysis, India's view that being in the Quad, which has like minded partners, is worthwhile and necessary. Uh, for Indian security objectives, as well as others, you know, technological, economic, its ability to offer alternatives in the region, its ability potentially also to help deter China uh, from taking certain actions, and to to shape a favorable balance of power in the region, to build resilience in the region. And that's that's
0: a big shift, isn't it, with with mm-hmm. the calculation around China, because I think like other countries and Australia to an extent. Uh, not in the last maybe three years, but before then, uh, you know, the calculation about if I make moves in partnerships that uh, look like uh, it would be against China's interests, then I will provoke a horrible reaction in Beijing. The calculation here in Canberra is, well, we're getting a horrible reaction from Beijing if we do not act in our own security interests. So uh, the, the downside of acting in our security interest is less That's a calculation that I think uh, is also being made now in Delhi. You you talk in your article about the continuing conflict on on the border pretty much since Xi took power and the idea that it's in India's interests, given that more aggressive China, to take these steps in its own security interest. And that the the downside of provoking an already aggressive China just is, is lesser.
1: You know, I think, Michael, you're right, because um, people... I remember there was once this uh, debate on who is the true godfather of the Quad. And you know, somebody said Shinzo Abe, which is actually true. But, you know, the joke was that actually, no, the godfather of the Quad is Xi Jinping. Mm. Um, because had he... Had the China led by him not taken the actions that have worried um, the Quad countries and others, of course... I don't think you would have seen um, you would have seen India make the choices because they want easy choices, um, and you know had ha- was involved in a dialogue for many years uh, on the Quad with other partners in the other Quad countries, um, and I think you know you saw in those dialogues that um, there was a reluctance uh, in India because of the in part because of the concern about provoking China. There had some other hesitations, but I think that has changed because. I think what what has happened India has seen China as a challenge since kind of the nineteen fifties if not before um but what you had seen um over kind of the you know the last twenty five years before Xi Jinping took power that the two countries had worked together worked out a modus vivendi, that they had said we are going to and they developed over a twenty year period a set of agreements to manage the boundary dispute, not to resolve it mm. because I think that they were working on, but the idea was. These agreements will help us manage the boundary dispute and um, that will allow us to move forward in a a range of other ways, build a broader relationship. I think what's happened at the boundary last year with uh, India and China, where India sees China as having changed uh, or attempted to change the status quo at multiple locations at their disputed boundary, has, and of course, a fatal clash the first in 45 years where Indian, China, India's China hands, uh, generations of China hands have said this is a violation of those agreements. And so, if you violate those agreements, how can we build a broader relationship? But I think that has also brought home to leaders, as much as you know, your, as you mentioned, uh, the experience that Australia has had over the last few years, uh, that you know, that the China challenge that India might have thought, you know, India's version of hide and bide, which is let's focus on economic development. Mm-hmm. We don't need to build these partnerships or align. China might be a problem, but that's coming down the horizon. I think the last year and a half has brought home for Indian uh, leaders that they don't have time, Mm. Um, that uh, the China challenge is here now and it's much larger than India can tackle on its own. And here are these other partners that are offering to work with India to to tackle this very uh, large challenge, and I think that's why the Quad makes sense for India. I
0: I think you're right, and that probably explains the speed of development of the Quad, you know, going from something that was Shinzo Abe's idea and didn't work in its first incarnation, and then was meant to be just an official's dialogue, and then suddenly foreign ministers were meeting, and then the thing that was never possible and could never happen was a leaders' Quad meeting, and now we've had two of them. But I, I wanted to bring you to that question about India's other partnerships to it, back to this idea of mini laterals and, and overlapping groupings. In your article, you talk about India's participation in a mem- membership of the Shanghai Cooperation Organization. And I thought you made a, a really interesting observation and distinction. Uh, you talked about the Shanghai Cooperation Organization uh, as being a forum that India has to be in, because it's got all of the membership that are central to India's uh, direct region, but also that it's a forum where India can help manage the divergences it has with its rivals, notably China and Pakistan. And in contrast, it seems to me, the Quad is a grouping where the partners are managing their convergences. So it's a real contrast between those two.
1: Uh, absolutely. You know, it's it's quite funny. I think it was this week or maybe last week that um, there was a, a, a ministerial of the Russia-India-China trilateral. And uh, the Chinese uh, foreign uh, ministry readout of that said that, that Foreign Minister Lavrov, Russian Foreign Minister Lavrov, went into a tirade against uh, small cliques uh, that represent Cold War mentality. And it was quite amusing because it's quite ironic because some, some people would say Russia-India-China trilateral is also... You know, one of these uh, mini laterals as well. My point being that you know it is true that this kind of era of coalitions, um, this era of minilaterals, laterals, we're seeing a lot of it. I think Jake Sullivan, um, speaking to an Australian audience, talked about it as a lattice work, um, where you know it's moving from the hub and spoke uh, model of alliances to I've called it kind of a spider web uh, of alliances, partnerships, coalitions in the in the past and. The um, you know India has these with non-quad countries. It has a number of trilaterals with Australia itself. I think Australia is India's favorite trilateral partner. But India also has them with uh, you know the SEO, It has a BRICS. Um, but all these small cliques um, or coalitions are not made equal. Uh, they have different purposes. India actually likes these coalitions because it is a kind of a, a midway, if not a midway, something that is doesn't require India to be an ally. Mm. It allows India to both um, find that next level of depth and cooperation with particular like-minded countries, and it allows India to also, you know, going back to my point about it doesn't want to be just dependent on the U.S. Uh, It is uncertain. It's not hedging between the U.S. and China. It is hedging against uncertainty about the U.S. And so what many do is, like the quad, like the trilaterals, they help india also work with other partners who are like minded and i think the third advantage i think india sees in them is this coalition era is plug and play you you know you 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 don't have to you know no choices are forced upon you in fact you are being given choice in terms of which ones you're comfortable joining according to issue areas according to membership and so it really in some ways builds on that point in free and open Indo-Pacific of the freedom to choose, the free being freedom to make your own choices uh, and coalitions offer that. So I think for India, it's been, you're seeing it embrace this even if you know its partners like Russia don't like these uh, small cliques that India is joining.
0: Yes, well, uh, minilaterals really suit uh, India's way of strategic thinking, don't they? Because they're calculations about the value of the particular purpose and the particular grouping—that's uh, that probably is a is an explanation for how India is being so effective in these minilaterals and and its participation. Um, talking about. Russia, again, this is covered well in your article, but the India-Russia relationship is such a strong historical one. And yet we've got Foreign Minister Lavrov publicly criticising India for participating in the Quad, trying to tell India that the Quad cannot be a security grouping, and almost putting some risk into the India-Russia relationship because of India's participation in the Quad. Now, there's, to me this Russia-India relationship is is really important as well as fascinating because uh, in the larger strategic picture, not having China and Russia becoming increasingly close strategic partners because Russia feels it has no other choices is, is valuable to everybody. But from an Indian point of view, how much of that could be possible? How, how do you preserve that relationship with Russia uh, if Russia, in fact, is getting into a closer strategic embrace with China?
1: I think one of the biggest challenges for Indian foreign policymakers is a closer Sino-Russian relationship. It really complicates their geopolitical uh, options. In an ideal world, India's diversified portfolio of partners to balance China would include Russia. Mm. Um, in fact, in 1971, when India signed a treaty with the Soviet Union, it was part, in part kind of an insurance policy against an attack from China. It was to balance China. When Sino Russian or Sino Soviet relations were close, that didn't benefit India. Um, for instance, during the 1962 China India War, Russia Took ally China's side uh, rather than friend India's, and um, that had you know provided China with intelligence on India, stalled the supply of uh, fighter aircraft to India. So for India, which for, for which even today Russia, it would like Russia to be, it sees Russia as part of its balancing China strategy, uh, both in terms of internal balancing, so building Indian capability you know, supplying military equipment, but also wants it to be an external balancer. Mm. There is a hope in India that, you know, that there will be a, just as there was a Sino-Soviet split, that there will be a Sino-Russian split. And, you know, this is a debate we have in Washington as well, which is what is the likelihood of that? Mm. Um, I think there's an Indian hope that that, um, that that happens the challenges that they have to think about which is it's not just if it happens it might might happen in 10 15 years timing matters and right now india is faced with a little bit of a dilemma on russia which is that on the one hand uh, this country is still extremely relevant to india both as particularly as a defense supplier but also you know in terms of um, uh, afghanistan mm-hmm. uh, where it plays a role uh, at the UN and inter- international organizations where it can be a spoiler. So it might not support India anymore or be a big advocate of India's interests, but it could play a spoiler role. So Russia is still relevant to a lot of Indian interest, but there's also this other side where there's a divergence uh, in r- the India-Russia relationship where on the two biggest challenges that India faces, uh, both China and to some extent the Afghanistan-Pakistan situation, India and Russia are not on the same Page. So the approach India is taking is kind of uh, both expanding ties with others, but also they want to maintain a relationship with uh, Russia. And so you're going to see very soon on December 6th, uh, President Putin go to India for the annual summit. He usually only goes for 24 hours, Mm. and I believe that's what he's doing this time. But there will also be an inaugural India-Russia 2 plus 2, where I think you will hear um, some announcements on the defence and security side, uh, which will, you know, I suspect cause, uh, and this is where the dilemma comes in, um, it does create some uh, friction, particularly between the US and India. Yes. And I think that will be more stark given the developments with the Russian buildup uh, at the border with
0: Ukraine. Yes, yes. I, I think you put the bottom line well um, in the article when you said Delhi will opt to align with the United States to balance China, but not to isolate Russia. And in a way, that makes absolute sense uh, to, to Australian ears. In fact, it's, it's, uh, it's part of a, a more positive, larger strategic picture. I suppose we, we should pretty much end up in, in the next few minutes. But by doing so, let me open a can of worms called Afghanistan. What do you think India wants from the US and maybe even um, Australia when it comes to dealing with the post afghanistan withdrawal environment
1: i think you know in an ideal world india would have preferred that the us didn't withdraw that obviously didn't happen i think in a less a, a secondary ideal world it would have liked a more orderly uh, withdrawal if that was possible um but i think in the current situation India is considering its options, given that it has um, limited kind of leverage. Uh, but it is exploring. It has shifted already its stance of going from isolating and not recognizing the Taliban. It still doesn't recognize it, but they are engaging uh, with the Taliban. They're, consi- you know, they don't want to be in a situation where they have no connections, direct connections to Afghanistan, and are dependent on other countries as well as you know. Um, um, have the Taliban only hear about South Asian issues from mm. Pakistan? Um, I think what what the what India would like to see from the U.S. and Australia is um, you know discussions and perhaps information sharing on the potential um, you know the the potential of the spread of things like terrorism and extremism. Um, and dealing with that, so you know, on the counterterrorism side, uh, where the bilaterals, so not in the quad necessarily, though I mm. I understand there's some of that in there, but particularly in in the bilaterals, uh, that next level of cooperation where you can in, uh, share information, because that's one of India's concerns, um, that you know there will be a spillover into the region uh, and the spread of you know counterterrorism, uh, the um, uh, spread of extremist ideology and things like that. I think the one other thing. India will want, and so I think with the U.S. it will also want, and with Australia to be kept in the loop to continue discussions. I think you know no surprises uh, would be yes. good from India's perspective, and I think the no surprises would be particularly important to India because the one thing it worries about beyond the you know the terrorism um, side of this uh, is and what instability will do. So there are two additional things it worries about. One is about rising Chinese influence. Uh, but I think you know it's it's going to wait and see how much China actually does in Afghanistan, giving China's own security mm-hmm. concerns. I think the second thing it worries about is that what the u s. will promise Pakistan for its buy-in to get uh, Pakistani buy-in into kind of over um, yes. the horizon
0: counterterrorism. Yes, yeah. yep, yep.
1: And so I think it's it's going to want no surprises there, and it will not it, it will not want the U.S., for example, to stop pressing Pakistan on certain groups that target India, terrorist groups that target India, um, or, you know, give it a significantly, a significant more military assistance. Um, and so that's what it, India would like. And then I think, you know, in the more immediate sense, I think India would welcome opportunities for all the countries to work together um, to, uh, you know, uh, make sure there's not a humanitarian catastrophe uh, in, in Afghanistan, given the investment that Australia, the, the US that India have played uh, have made in, in Afghanistan over these last 20 years.
0: Well, Teby, thank you so much uh, for this discussion. Uh, I think uh, it's, it'll really inform the Australian audience it'll be welcomed again i'd encourage everybody to to read the article after listening to the podcast it covers even more ground than we have here maybe there'll be an opportunity in in the near future to talk about um delhi's perspectives on on the other fast moving mini lateral uh, which is orcas uh, but we'll leave that for another time so thanks so much tammy wonderful to talk
1: with. thanks michael that's all we have time for this week on policy guns and money We hope you're enjoying our bigger picture series and we're enjoying bringing you extended conversations on some of the big challenges that Australia
0: and the world are facing. Please give us your feedback and let us know what you'd like us to cover.